Hello, everyone. This is the Cautiously Optimistic Podcast. I'm Joe Marino, and Luke, a little under the weather today. Uh, not able to make it. He's at work, but he's grinding away still. We got our third co-host now. We'd like to welcome Mr. Mike Donovan. Mike, welcome thank you, thank you. to the podcast. Glad to have you. Glad uh, to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So we're adding Mike as... Our third co-host here, going into the new season of the Cautiously Optimistic Podcast. I just want to double check here to make sure I got the correct season. So bear with me for a second. I believe it's season eight, but it could be season seven. But just double checking. It is, in fact, season eight. So I feel very old. Been doing this for a long time. But yeah, season eight of the podcast. Uh, Glad to have Mike on board mike was actually a good friend of me and luke during our college days so mike currently lives in chicago in connor bedard town uh still a it's... diehard sabers fan though so mike if you want to kind of let everyone know who you are and where they can find you kind of your sabers yeah, fandom sure. story yeah so obviously sabers Born and bred all the way through. So even though I moved away, can't really uh can't take that out. I already got my ESPN plus subscription ready to go. So I'm ready for the next season. Anybody needs uh to kind of follow me on the socials, you can find me at Michael R3435 on uh formerly Twitter, now X. So season's coming up. I'll be uh, a little bit more active there now since uh since I'm on this podcast. Beautiful. Yes, give him a follow, folks. And the X Twitter rebranding, I don't know if I'm ever going to get used to that, but we'll certainly try. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, glad to have Mike aboard. Luke uh, wishes that he could be here, but he's just been so busy with work. And if you're a diehard listener of this podcast, you know we, we've been absent this offseason, mainly because Luke and I have just been super busy with work and stuff, but... We didn't forget about you folks. Promise you that. Uh, but now we got Mike on too. So uh, we will be sure to bring consistent podcasts throughout the season for you. Uh, getting into the meat and potatoes here. Uh, our last podcast was right before the draft. I want to say it was like a week leading up to it. So uh, the Sabres, they, I think they did pretty well for themselves. I don't know about you, Mike, but. Uh, they started their draft with the 13th overall pick, Zach Benson. Uh, it was a controversial pick somehow because he's not six foot five and 225 pounds. Uh, but Benson was a an impact forward for the Winnipeg Ice of the WHL. Played with Matt Savoy for the last couple of seasons. So, really good pick there. Any thoughts on that, Mike? I know you're not a big prospect guy, but sure you have some thoughts on Zach Benson yeah sure I mean everything from what I could see uh you know so far from Zach Benson especially through you know Maddie Savoy there uh just seems like a really dynamic player I mean it really fits kind of you know the bread and butter of what both Granado uh and Adams are, are shooting for here kind of just those those really those guys who just have that, that elite shot, you know, all the way around and, and, but they're also not afraid to kind of, you know, get a little chippy, get a little bit in the corners there. So 
I think adding him, you know, to this group, you know, in in a couple of years, especially with kind of the depth that is built already, uh, it's going to be a really stellar pick, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, another left winger, uh, but like you said, Granado, Adams, Carmanos, the old Sabers organization, they they certainly have a type. It's guys who have skill. They don't care how big or small they are, but they're like dogs. He's a dog. Like when you watch Zach Benson, you just the first thing that pops in your head is, man, that guy's a dog. Dog on a bone. Yeah. And where's number nine? So if you got any royal blue Jack Eichel jerseys, take it to the Sabres store. Maybe you can get a nameplate swap. I got to work on that still. But uh, just watching him at development camp and in that three-on-three tournament, he's just relentless. Absolutely relentless. And I know like the stigma about like smaller players are they're not very good defensively but Zach Benson he is very very strong defensively so that is going to be a crucial piece and I I'm gonna put him I'm gonna put him in pen this guy's gonna be their number one left winger for many years to come once he arrives of course but uh yeah I mean he's 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 there I mean he's just and I just kind of want to build off of like that defensive aspect. And I think that's another piece of like, you know, Granado system is he wants guys, he wants guys going back and forth all the time versus like you kind of see, you know, Olsen at the end of the season, he gets benched, you know, his defensive numbers just aren't there. Uh, and I mean, they're, they're going to train him, you know, even if maybe he's not the strongest, you know, size wise, they'll make sure he's, you know, systematically strong enough to kind of yep. get back there. I think. Yeah, exactly. And the good thing is, it's not like I don't want to say that they rushed Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka, Dylan Cousins, but the the benefit of having those guys now is they don't have to rush Zach Benson, they don't have to rush Matthew Savoy, they don't have to rush Yuri Kulik, they don't have to rush Isaac Roseanne. Like these guys can marinate in Rochester, they can marinate in juniors still. That's I assume where Benson and Savoy are going to go. They're going to go back to the WHL. Winnipeg is moving to Wenatchee in Washington State, so they'll still be in the WHL, but just a new city. But yeah, these guys can marinate down there, and when they're ready, they'll come up and earn their spots. And the Sabres have a good team as it is right now, and there's no need to rush these guys, so that's very exciting. Uh, Transitioning to their second-round pick, Anton Wahlberg with a 39th overall pick. They were rumored to want to be trading up for this guy in the first round. So the fact that they got him in the second round, they were very happy. And this was the the pick that they got in the Rasmus versus the line in trade. So that closes the book on that. Anton Wahlberg, uh, a left wing slash center, big guy, can skate very well. He was certainly a standout in development camp for me. Any thoughts on Wahlberg? I like it not too much, uh, kind of after that first round pick, but again, I think he fits, you know, if he's that big size and it, they're really starting to fill up kind of like that, that forward pool, which is nice. It's been so thin, uh, you know, prior. And I think we're, we're finally starting to get to the part where we're getting guys with the size and the skill. It's kind of like this mix of, of talent. Now I think in the pool, uh, and like you said, you don't have to rush these guys, even guys like Wahlberg, these guys can just marinate. They can just go, um, so it's it's pretty exciting to kind of see like that depth and that size starting to build with some of these picks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I really like Wahlberg, and 
I on draft day, I said, okay, this guy seems like he's going to be your fourth line center, fourth line left wing of the future. And people on Twitter get all bent out of shape. Like, ah, you can't do that in the second round. But you look at who they have in the system right now. If you're getting a guy who's going to be playing all situations, very strong fourth line player with your second round pick. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to add good players who are going to play in the NHL and whether that's with a high second round pick or not, like, not the end of the world. And then, like you said, the forward pipeline is pretty strong at this point. And I think a lot of people are like, hey, where are the defense? Where's the defense? Here here they come. 45th overall, they pick Maxim Sturback. Uh, I actually predicted this pick, so I was very happy with that. Uh, Slovak, right shot D, has some size to him. He's going to play for Michigan State, which they have absolutely revamped their program. So, Exciting pick there. Uh, according to The Athletic, he's a better prospect than Devin Levi. <laughs> That's oh, certainly okay. an interesting take. But, yeah, I like Sturback a lot. And then going into the third round, they go with Gavin McCarthy, uh, Kevin Adams' neighbor. Uh, good Seems like a good kid. He's going to Boston University, another right-shot defenseman. He comes at 86th overall via the pick that the Sabres got for Eric Portillo. Then... We're going to kind of go rapid fire here. Fourth round, uh, 109th overall, they pick Ethan Medima from the Kingston Frontenacs, a power forward left winger. Uh, he was actually trade one of the main piece of the Shane Wright trade in the OHL that saw Shane Wright go to the Windsor Spitfires. And then fifth round, they go goaltender, uh, 141st overall from the Seattle Thunderbirds, Scott Ratzlaff, uh, from a very good team. He, I, he wasn't the the main starter there, but he will be the guy this year as the Seattle Thunderbirds, the WHLers. Pretty, they're still a pretty loaded team coming off of their Memorial Cup run. And then sixth and seventh round, two more defensemen to round it out, and a Canadian defenseman, Sean Kohang, I want to say, and then a German defenseman in the seventh round, 205th overall, Norwin Panoka who he is set to play in the Quebec league next year. So any thoughts on the later picks, Mike, I, I'm pretty happy with the draft overall. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, maybe I'm repeat myself here, but it's, you know, I think for once we have, it's, it's nice because we don't have to worry, uh, you know, when, when will some of these later round picks be ready? You know, like you said, you have Savoy in the system, you have Coolidge, you have Benson, you have guys that are kind of, and you still have, you know, uh, just like some of the other players that are coming up is as well. You know, there's, there's time for these later picks to kind of develop, but you know, you have Jack Quinn, you have JJ Paterka, they're slowly finding, you know, their footing now. So it's just, we can actually be like, Oh, like what will some of these guys, will one of these guys start to like pull away in a very, you know, talented you know, pool group of guys now. So it's nice to be at that spot. So I'll just kind of let time play out with some of these picks before I start throwing any opinions, but at least we can like start to like have fun with the prospect pool for once. Right. And they've really rebuilt the defensive side of the system too. Uh, before it was just, okay, you got Ryan Johnson. Is he going to sign? He ends up signing. But then you got Nikita Novikov, Vesevalad Komarov, and then uh, what's his name? He hasn't signed yet. 
uh, Mats Lindgren. So you had those guys, and then now they add a handful of exciting D prospects, specifically Sturbeck and uh, Clarence Kid. His name is escaping me. Uh, yeah, you you know what I mean, folks. <laughs> for yeah, him escapes yeah. me for a second, but yeah, Kevin Adams' name. Uh, but on day two of the draft, it was revealed that Jack Quinn will be missing several months with an Achilles injury. So, yeah, I don't think he, it was a clean tear, but uh, he is going to miss some time. And because of that, Victor Olofsson did not get traded. Uh, it's certainly going to it's very disappointing because I think we all were expecting Jack Quinn to have a breakout year coming up, but. Maybe that will be delayed a little bit uh, as he recovers, but hopefully he comes back strong and finishes the season is like kind of like an own rental. I guess you, if you want to call it that like he arrives in December and the playoff push is already upon us. So hopefully he comes sure. in and helps him out there, but. Certainly. Do you think this opens a door, uh, you know, for Yuri Coolidge to maybe fight for, you know, a full-time spot, you know, to kind of compete there? Or do you think they're going to keep him relatively slow? I, the door is open, but I don't think it's open very wide. Uh, if you think about, they didn't trade away any forwards. They, they essentially brought everyone back. Gergensen's and Oposo are back. So mm-hmm. if you, if you map it out, your top line, let's just say they keep Skinner Thompson and talk together. They keep those guys. And then you got, Paterka, Cousins, and Middlestat, just for for the sake of it. And then third line, you got Olafson, Greenway, Krebs. And on fourth line, Gergensen's Joe Stoposo. And then you still have Lucas Rusek around. They didn't bring any free agent forwards in the mix, but there's not a whole lot of room for Kulik to to make the roster. You know, obviously if he scores a bunch of goals in preseason, kind of force their hand, but I assume that they're going to want to give Victor Olsen a shot to prove his worth and maybe kind of earn some trade value around the league because it's like, what's the point of putting him in the press box? You want to trade the guy. Uh, he obviously didn't have a whole lot of value going into the off season, ending the season as a healthy scratch, even though he scored over 20 goals last year. Yeah. Okay. So kind of, so I mean, yeah, so, go, go ahead, Mike, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to kind of build from there. So, I mean, we got the forwards and so now we jump into defense and you kind of brought up free agency, you know, no four free agencies there. What are your opinions of bringing in Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson? Yeah. So, the our last podcast, I believe Luke and I predicted Eric Johnson as like a worst case scenario signing, and they actually brought him in. I think he's gonna be good. I really do. Uh Eric Johnson was the last first overall pick to go back to school as a college player. So if anyone can relate to Owen Power, it is Eric Johnson. And I think he's gonna have a role here. And a lot of people crap on the signing, but I genuinely think he's going to be good. He 
was a key cog on the Colorado Avalanche team when they won the Stanley Cup, playing with Bowen Byram. So Byram, a fourth overall pick in his own right just a few years ago. Uh, so Johnson, I think he was brought in to be kind of the mentor for Owen Power that they kind of neglected to bring in last year. So Johnson, he is, I believe, 30, yeah, he's 35 years old. So he's not a spring yeah. chicken anymore, but I do think he's going to be able to play a role here. And Clifton, I do think they overpaid him a little bit. He does have some history with Don Granado, but... Uh, he's a he was an important role player on the Boston Bruins, a depth defenseman. So I do think he's going to be able to help the penalty kill, and he's going to be able to play up and down the lineup. But if Connor Clifton's your third pairing defenseman, or even second pairing, I think you're doing all right. And I do think they improved. And as far as some other free agent signings go, they did not give Tyson Jones the qualifying offer, but they did bring him back for the same price, and they brought. I believe all the RFAs back except for Matei Picard, and they did bring back Kale Clegg. They did bring back Dustin Tokarski as well. So some Rochester guys, more or less, but those were the the big ads, if you want to say, Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton. So what do you think about those guys? Oh, I think they, you know, I really like Eric Johnson and the fact that there's there hasn't been uh, kind of like that mentor on the defensive side for, you know, quite some time, you know, Rasmus Stalin kind of ended up having to relearn everything kind of like on his own as kind of the coaching change and everything switched over. Uh, he's been kind of going in, you know, like a chicken with his head cut off and he's kind of, he's really found his stride here. Uh, and, you know, you have Matisse Samuelson back there, but they're all, they're all really young group of guys and not that that's bad, but I feel like to play, you know, we, we saw how the defense kind of just fell apart at times last season where that, you know, that veteran, you know, mentality like of bend, don't break would have been, uh, you know, I think really important. And I think for what is his own power is technically third season. Yeah, technically. His second full season yeah. uh, coming up here. I think this will be important to have a guy like Eric Johnson who's won the cup before, who's been around really tumultuous, you know, situations, uh, you know, own power comes in late at the end of that really rocky year last year, a lot of ups and downs almost there. And I think just that mentality alone, you know, I'm kind of looking at him almost as like an Akposo, uh, you know, overall just kind of bringing that, that nice steady leadership to the back end. And like you said about Connor Clifton, if you're adding a guy like him, kind of that depth forward. He's going to be able to help a lot with the penalty kill, which was you know one of the worst last year. Uh, they're, they're, they're not these, these big moves that I think everybody wanted, you know, they, you know, not that Mac- McAvoy was out there, but you want to bring in somebody like that. to so like say like, Oh, like we're really pushing for it, but they're going with this, the slow approach, this let's build this ourselves versus, you know, saying we need other people to kind of build this. So just, they're subtle ads, but I think over time uh, they'll start to kind of build on their own. You bring up the the big ad. I think that big ad is coming eventually. They they just weren't ready to do it yet. Like you look at Definitely. what they have in the pipeline, like all of these forwards, like they're not all going to make it. They can't all make it. And I think Adams wants them all to make it, but 
it's just not going to happen. So eventually down the road, maybe that defenseman becomes available who is like 27 years old. You got him under team control for five years and it makes sense. Like something like that. I don't know when that opportunity is going to present itself, but it's going to happen eventually. Uh, a trade is going to have to happen down the road. Hopefully maybe trade deadline or next off season, but yeah, I think you'll definitely start seeing some of those prospects, you know, get pushed out. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, whoever it may be, there's going to be some guys out there that I think fans are not going to be like too crazy about, you know, having to move. But if it brings you, you know, that piece, you know, down the road, you know, you got to, at some point, you got to make a push where you're not waiting every three, four years to get a rookie in the door and just kind of like start taking the shot because you have the core. Now it's just like you said, who can, you know, who can separate themselves from that core and who's also still got a really good, you know, I think drive to them. So where you're not necessarily being on like the top guys, but they show they have, you know, the talent and the skill to kind of, you know, bring back that high, you know, that high reward. Exactly. And I don't think this is going to happen, but because you're a Chicago native at this point, uh, Chicago resident, I should say. I know this is going to be controversial, but do you think the Blackhawks would look to trade Seth Jones eventually with some, maybe some salary retention? He's a little overpaid as of right now, but I, I'm pretty sure Jones has uh familiarity with Don Granado. I, I, I wonder if that would be a possibility down the road, maybe a year or two, if the Blackhawks decide to move on from him. What do you think? I mean, He's, I think his name was floated, if I'm not mistaken, a little bit at the trade deadline this past season. And they kind of, you know, shut it down. Nothing really happened with him. They shut it down like, oh, we weren't going to move him type thing. But you got to wonder uh, with where Chicago's at, do they really see, you know, he's he's 28 right now. So he's he's kind of falling into that, that later leg of his career where, and I feel like Chicago's kind of like, Let's get all the young guys in the door. Like, let's start to shed some of that. I don't know if you know, he signed to an eight-year, $9.5 million deal. So maybe in a year or two, they would maybe look to, you know, push him out the door. Uh, but it that'll be tough because they're going to have, you know, over the next couple of years, some new faces, some new guys are going to have to extend. You know, you're already going to have to intend in three years to, you know, extend the number one pick. And right. when you got a guy like Seth Jones, he's going to hit 30. You know, he's going to be declining soon after he's making 9.5 million a year. Do you want him kind of, you know, taking up some of that pressure, you know, precious cap space? I don't know. I, I think he would be a guy that could kind of start hitting the market for sure. I'm just looking to see if Seth Jones played on the, development team with Granado because we we see it every year the, the Sabres are bringing in guys that Don Granado coached so yeah I it was just an idea I know people are gonna scoff at that idea because Jones doesn't have the best analytics and micro stats so just an idea I I wonder if it would be something that gets visited down the road but another top five pick on on defense, potentially. Uh, looking at 
Okay, so Jones played for the NTDP in 2012. So that might be a little before Don Granado. So let's let me just do my due diligence here. Okay. And just kind of a another name to throw out there while you look that up is I, you know, back, you know, last season when Buffalo wasn't really taking that shot at anybody, a name that I liked a lot. Uh, for a while was uh, John Klimberg from Dallas. He ends up going to, you know, Anaheim last year for the year. I always, I really liked his game from a few years back. I wish Buffalo maybe would have taken a shot at shot at him a year or so ago. Uh, never kind of materialized, but I think he would have been a nice piece as well. Yeah, Klingberg goes to Toronto. He, his game's kind of fallen off a little bit. I used to like, yeah. when he was with Dallas, I, I really liked him a lot. Uh, but yes, Don Granado did, in fact, coach the uh, under, under 17 team at the U.S. development team. I believe that that lines up with Seth Jones. It doesn't exactly say that which age group he was on so i i'm I'm sure there might have been a little crossover with seth jones and don granado like granado was in fact a coach for the u17 team at that point but unclear uh which team jones played for in 2012 2011 2012 then of course in his draft year he went to the whl to play for the portland winterhawks so a name to keep in mind i i don't know if it's a good idea but you know folks if you listen to the podcast you know i like to play devil's advocate i guess you could say uh but yeah, that is the off season. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to kind of dive into some predictions going into the season and beyond. So we'll be right back. We are back on the Cautiously Optimistic Podcast. Joe Marino and Mike Donovan. Luke unavail- unable to hop on the pod today, but he will, will be back. Promise. He wanted me to let you all know that he misses you all, but you're in his thoughts. Those loyal listeners out there. But yes, we just went over the draft, free agency. We did leave out one part, a trade. The Sabres trading Ilya Labushkin to the Anaheim Ducks for, I believe, a fourth-round pick. So Sabres add a late pick for guy they signed last offseason. So what do you think about the trade, Mike? Uh, yeah, kind of uh, surprised me at first, but, I mean, I guess, you know, with Brandon Johnson bringing in Clifton there, you know, I think out of everybody, he's going to be the most expendable. Uh, Bushkin at times was just kind of gave me a lot of wrist aligning vibes. Just kind yeah. <laughs> of way caught out of position. It just uh, takes a lot of penalties. Sometimes. Takes a lot of penalties. Yeah. Too many penalties. I mean, granted, yes, he gave us all that beautiful goal against Tampa, but yeah, <laughs> just, just not enough, I think, uh, to keep him around. Like I said, it just got a little bit too competitive with those additional signings and, you know, you got to make moves. 
Yeah, then now you look at who they have on the back end. You have Samuelson, you have Darlene. Uh I think they do like Henry Yokiharu more than the fans do. That's for sure. He's still here. Uh, yeah. Owen Power, you have Riley Stillman, who they traded for at the trade deadline last year. Now you have Clifton, you have Johnson, and Jacob Bryson is still around somehow. And they have Ryan Johnson too, but I think you can probably pencil him in for Rochester to start given the log jam. But you have eight defensemen under contract. So even b- before Labushkin was even traded, you had nine. So obviously somebody had to go, and he was the guy. So. Do you think that another trade is coming here on defense, or do you think they're going to roll with eight defensemen and maybe 13 forwards on the on the NHL roster this year? I don't know. It's, it's tough. I mean, I think carrying, carrying eight defensemen is, is a lot, but I mean, I guess expect the unexpected with them because last year they did a lot. They kind of, cut you know had healthy scratches you know multiple times on the defensive end but i would like something a little bit more consistent on the right. defense i'd like to see you know somebody in training camp somebody in the preseason really start to pull away and say you know what maybe connor clifton's the guy you know over jacob bryson uh i think bryson's been around on the system a little bit too long he's had his his opportunities to shine and i just don't see him ever working out uh like you said they like Henry Yoki Haru. He's a very hit or miss. It depends on the day with him. Uh, I guess it's whatever his breakfast meal is. But <laughs> I, again, it's they like him. I guess they like Brayson. But I would like for you know them to move on from one of these guys and just kind of have a crew that they're going to work with. Maybe keep seven. I'm fine right. keeping seven, having one being a healthy scratch. You know, every game. But eight, I'm just like that. To me, you know. Make up your mind at that point. Yeah, I think someone's going to get waived, and it's probably Bryson, you would assume. He does make almost $2 million per year, which definitely a little overpaid, but I wonder if maybe a team like Chicago, like a, a rebuilding team, because Bryson does have – he's a skilled skilled defenseman. I'm not going to take that away from him. He's a good skater. He's got a lot of skill, but as a defenseman, you like your – I would like my defenseman to defend well, um, especially in a third pair yes. capacity. So maybe a team takes a flyer on him like Chicago. Arizona's got lots of defensemen as it is right now, but maybe a rebuilding team that sees Bryson's potential. He's still a young defenseman. You can't take that away from him, but uh, I'm sure somebody would take a flyer on him, but he's yeah, way he's, maybe like he goes he's young. Chester. He's got speed. Yeah, yeah, there's 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 a lot of options for him. He's got he's got the like I said, he's young, he's got the speed. I've always liked it about his game. He moves really well with the puck, but sometimes he goes a little bit too fast for himself. And I think that's kind of like what what really he likes to go up with it. Um and at times he just kind of loses that edge and then, you know, they're caught out of position. But why not take a flyer on that guy, you know? Maybe a, a mid to late round pick on him, just something to kind of move him out of the door. I don't think that'd be the worst thing in the world here. Right. And you add an extra fourth round pick in Labushkin trade. Maybe you get a fifth round pick for Bryson or another fourth round pick. And then you have some extra assets to throw around at the trade deadline. If 
you're in the mix and you want to go at a depth forward or you want to get a better defenseman at the trade deadline, you have some extra picks. So I think Bryson makes sense on the trade market or even if he gets waived because like you want Rochester to be a dominant team. And if you put Jacob Bryson in the minors, I think he would do very well for himself, maybe even recoup some trade value as well. Maybe somebody would take a flyer on him if he passes through waivers, but I don't know. We'll see. But as far as the forwards go, it seems like it is what it is at this point. Uh, They're going to roll with it. Obviously there's going to be the question marks of will Matt Savoy make the team out of camp. There's going to go to juniors is Yuri Kulik going to make it, but got to remember these guys are still 19. And like we were talking about earlier on the podcast, uh, There's they're in a position where they don't need to rush these guys anymore. The Sabres are competing for a playoff spot now, and it's not wishful thinking anymore. They literally did it last year. So the expectation at this point should be we're making the playoffs unless you need to be a 102 point team to make it like a couple of years ago. So there will be competition, but it'll be healthy competition and spots aren't going to be given away like they were say when Mikhail Grigorenko was on the Sabres <laughs> 10 years ago. So times have changed folks. So they, they don't need Yuri Kulik to be in Buffalo this upcoming season. Remember he was what the 28th overall pick uh, just a couple years ago at this point, you, you don't need him to be here right away. It, it would be fun. It absolutely would be fun. I don't want to be a Debbie downer, but you don't need him here. And if he's in Rochester, yeah, go replicate what you did last year and then some. Maybe he's the first call up. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, everyone wants him up here, but it, just look at what look at the roster. They they brought everyone back essentially. I don't think there's a fit there at uh, training camp unless, say, Paterka gets hurt tomorrow doing his uh, drills. He's always posting stuff on. Instagram, I'm sure you've seen it, Mike, but say Paterka gets injured, knock on wood, but then maybe maybe Kulik earns a spot, but I just don't see it. Sure. I know I'm in the minority, but I, I just don't see it. Uh, but there is there is one kind of elephant in the room that we've, that we've missed out on here. Uh, you know, we talk about the Sabres kind of fighting for a playoff spot. And I think that's going to be heavily dependent on our goaltending this yep. year. So yep. we're, we're running back with uh, Uko Pekalukinen and Devin Levi kind of as this one-two punch. Uh, my opinion, just out of the gate, it's, it was controversial when they did it. But at the same time, is Devin Levi played out of his mind. Yep. And I believe what the 10 games that he played, I think he started five and one, five zero and one, something like that. Yeah, I think so. You, yeah, I mean, he proved himself. I think in his, they were playing high competition games late in the season. The guy played out. You can't take that away from him. They're playing playoff teams. They're beating playoff teams with Devin Levi. Uko, on the other hand, UPL, it's he's still. I think he's what 22, 23. Yeah, I, he's think still he's, very, I think he's 23 or 24 at this point. He's still so young, and you don't, I think it's, 
you know, a double-edged sword. You know, he didn't play that well last season. He struggled at times. But there are other points where he would play really well. Like, he would do the hard things well, but he didn't do the easy things good. There was so many things he should have saved. I think that's just a coaching matter. I think the guy, you know, he's a correctable player. It's just can he kind of, you know, make that jump? It's just if you bring in, you could bring in a veteran goalie. You could send Uko down, you know, to the minors. You could try to get him down to the to the Amherst. Don't know if that works. Um, or if you move him out, you give another team anywhere in the league a really young, blossoming goalie prospect. He's kind of on that verge where he's either going to take that jump or he's not. I still think it's a little too early to tell. But I think they got a guy with Levi who can maybe, you know, maybe take a little bit more or if you do a 50-50 split that might be good enough for Uko to be like, hey, like, I need to start up in my game as well. I mean, kind of pairing them last year, I forget who it was, with, with Anderson, it, the Comrie. guy barely played. Yeah. And, and Comrie, I mean, that was just... You weren't learn. You weren't learning much from you know at that point. You know he was Anderson was good. You know on maybe the mental side, but there's there's more competition now than I think there was before. Right, and I think I in agreement with you. I do think it's going to be Levi and Lukanen next year. And Comrie, if Comrie's your third goalie, I think you're doing pretty well. He he's okay, but he was brought in here to essentially be the starting goaltender and. He had his ups and downs, but man, he he just wasn't good enough. And Levi came in here fresh out of college, and he was great. He was fantastic. And, you know, if they would have been able to sign like an anti-Ranta or a Frederick Anderson or someone at a reasonable contract for a couple of years, yeah, bring him in. But those guys, they went off the board very quickly on July 1st. Very, very quickly. Like Anderson and Ranta both stayed in Carolina. Uh Ottawa brought in uh who was it? Corpusalo. Ottawa brought in Corpusalo and they gave him like five years. Uh Tristan Jari got five years to stay in Pittsburgh. So a lot of the goalies they either stay they either stayed where they were at or they got overpaid. And you know Kevin Adams doesn't like to really overpay for anything these days. So they decided to stay with what they got, what they have. And, you know, like you said, Lukanen's still young. He had his ups and downs last year. When he first got here last year, when Comrie got hurt, remember, he won Rookie of the Month, uh, NHL Rookie of the Month. Yeah. So uh, I'm not the biggest Lukanen fan, but I certainly would have rather gone with the kids I guess you could say than like bringing in like a Martin Jones or an Anton Hudobin, uh, like some journeyman Yaroslav Halak. Like, yeah, it's a name, but you're not getting any upside there. Maybe, maybe Levi's for a sure. contender for the Calder Trophy next year. He he certainly looked like he could be that guy when he arrived last year. And if Lukanen can just be average. Like if you're getting average to above average goaltending next year, I think you're in the playoffs. And then if Definitely. one of those guys goes I, down I with an injury, where... Comrie can fill in. So, yeah. yeah. No three goalies like they did last year. I think Comrie's going to Rochester. 
And I know that there's a crowd out there who think Comrie's going to get claimed. Look around the league. Eric Comrie's not a guy who a team is going to be like, you know what, we like that guy more than our backup, and actually we're going to take on almost $2 million worth of our payroll to bring him in. That's not going to happen. Like, there are sure. there are better goaltenders than Comrie available for cheaper, too. Like, Martin Jones, he signed with Toronto. He's going to be their third goaltender at league minimum. Are you going to claim Martin Jones or Eric Comrie? Martin Jones won, like, 20 games last year for the Kraken, so... There's your answer. Uh, there's not many openings, and there's not many teams that can afford him. So Eric Comrie is, uh, you can put him in pen. He's going to be in Rochester unless somebody gets hurt in Buffalo. Now, if if right. Comrie earns the backup job in Buffalo, Lukanen's getting claimed. And I don't think they want to lose Uko Pekka Lukanen. I really don't. Uh, now, if, if you look back, Eric Comrie was a second-round pick in like 2013. Lukanen second round pick in 2017. A few years ago, Comrie was getting claimed on waivers three times a year. Well, I don't know why. That was because he was making league minimum entry level contract. That whole shebang. That, that's how Lukanen, Lukanen and Comrie, very similar track records, I guess you could say. Like, got Comrie was a really good in the American League, and Lukanen not so much. But both second round picks, and if. Lukanen's waived. He's going to get claimed. Some team is going to take a flyer on him and then hope that they can pass him through waivers and may put him in the AHL if he fails to succeed in training camp. But you're, what you're going to see is typically how teams operate when the waivers open up. They're going to want to put Comrie on waivers pretty early so they don't lose him. They, I think they brought in they brought in Tokarski they brought Hauser back on an AHL deal they also brought in Devin Cooley so they have a lot of goaltenders under contract and in the organization right now so I think they're prepared if they do lose a goalie uh, off waivers but they're looking pretty strong especially if Levi comes in and looks to part so I think that's what's going to happen they're going to roll Levi and Lukanen uh, Comrie and Tokarski, and then you got Cooley and Hauser in Jacksonville, which is their new East Coast League affiliate. Yep, and and like I said, UPL he's he's going to be a, a a low risk high reward player, I think, for the season. And we can't forget the defensive woes last year. I mean, there's just times where you're they're leaving them out to dry, and and I I'm not a goalie defender at all, you know. The goal is going to be your last line of defense, but there was just too many times last year. You know, everybody saw the defensive lapses, especially when Samuelson, you know, wasn't on the team. Uh, so they're, I think they're taking that step to have a little bit more of a defining defense, a little bit more of that veteran, you know, edge, you know, with their signings kind of helps stabilize, you know, some things for them. They also have a year experience underneath them. Now they learn, I think, You'd hope under what Granado is kind of building here, they learned a lot from that. So th- that could bode well, I think, for you know UPL to kind of keep his footing around. But like I said, UPL hits waivers. I think the other 31 teams, they're gonna someone's taking a shot at him. I mean, right. it, there's just it just makes too much sense. He's he's not making that much and he's young. You know, you got a chance to still kind of like change him and like make him a little bit better. Exactly. So 
are there any guys that you're kind of afraid of losing on waivers? I don't think there's many. I have one in mind. Uh, I'll let you go first. But anyone besides Lukanen that you think other teams would kind of look at on waivers? Mm, that's that's a tough one. Um, I'll let me kind of build off of you here, so you kind of start. I, nothing comes to mind, but I want to hear what you're thinking. I'm thinking Brett Murray is quite literally the only one that could interest other teams as like a 13th or 14th forward. Because if you look at it, his pathway to Buffalo is non-existent. I don't think he really has a shot. He's proven over the last couple of years he's a really good AHL player. Uh, he produces, he's a big body, and he's developed pretty well, all things considered. Going back to... Penn State and not earning a contract with the Sabres and getting an AHL contract and then finally earning an NHL contract. He I took his qualifying offer. He got league minimum deal uh, this offseason. I don't think he's going to make the team. Some guys, some fans really like Brett Murray, but I just don't think there's much opportunity here. I could see a team that wants a gritty forward that they can kind of give him an opportunity, maybe like an Edmonton team, a team that is just looking for a body to take a shot on Brett Murray, but not a lot of guys out there in the organization that I see are going to get waived where anyone's going to really look to bring these guys in. Definitely. And I think, especially after the Sabres made that move for Jordan Greenway, I mean, I think he's the most comparable, you know, to Brett Murray's game in the NHL, kind of that big body. He was getting down on the corners, you know, he was, Going to be that third line, fourth line grinder, but I think with you know Greenway kind of coming in the mix, that really blocked, uh, you know Murray. Um, he never really took that next step to kind of like really define like his edge, like hey, like keep me around. Which you know, but he's got he's got a ton of skill. But I think with where the prospect chain is moving in Buffalo, he just as essentially just got log jams. He just kind of got placed over by a more you know skillful group of guys, which. Obviously, that's a great thing to have, so I'm not going to say I'm mad about it, but just kind of, you know, I think the nature of the beast, uh, I think when it comes to anybody being waived, somebody would really, really have to shine, you know, like you said earlier, like if Kulik, you know, forces their hands to like, you have to, you know, bring him, he can't start in the AHL next year. Uh, I think it's going to take something like that. They're really going to have to force, you know, Kevin Adams and, and Don Granato's hands here to like, pull these guys, take it away from, you know, a veteran person, you know, on that third, fourth line. Other than that, I can't see it. Yeah, Murray, he scored 23 goals in Rochester last year, 49 points. So he has gotten better every year since he turned pro. Like, he, it's a real shame that he hasn't made it, but he's a certainly a good story. But I just can't see him working out in Buffalo, maybe a fresh change of scenery elsewhere for Murray. But you always see, I brought up the Oilers earlier, like always see some Oilers fans talking about Murray here and there as an option because they like their gritty guys, as you like to say. But uh, you brought up Jordan Greenway. What do you think his role is going to be in this upcoming season? Because he arrived, he got hurt, missed some time, and then he ended the season, I believe, on the line with Dylan Cousins and Tage Thompson. And that line played so well together. Uh, I feel like Greenway is a guy that's really getting ignored by the fans because he arrived and wasn't 
all that good, but I think I personally think he was playing hurt and him being scratched for a handful of games down the stretch certainly proves that. I believe he was dealing with something and he ended the season pretty strong. So do you think Greenway could have a bigger role than what some fans are anticipating here? I mean, I think so. In the in the last nine games, Greenway he has three goals in the last nine, scoring against Detroit, Philly, and the Rangers. Uh, he's he was uh, quick math. He was a positive two, you know, on his plus minus scale. So he was out there for for more good than bad. Obviously, he really he was taking a step there at the end of the season and. Uh, he was, I think he was starting to find his groove and it, you know, it ended abruptly, unfortunately, but he's, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, every, if anybody wants to look for a dark horse in camp this year, I think you got to watch Jordan Greenway uh, yep. just to see like, where is, you know, is he going to be able to kind of compete, you know, alongside with Tate Thompson? Is he going to be, you know, kind of grinding away for a fourth line, you know, spot there with Doc Posto and Gergensen's? I don't know. He's he's like I said. It all really depends on how he kind of finishes, you know, a preseason. Because uh, he can play, he can play both sides very well. He can play that that gritty, you know, get out of my way type of player, or he can kind of get up there in the rush and stand in front of the net and kind of be a nuisance on the other end of the ice. So it's like you said. He's he's ignored. He's six six. He's two hundred thirty pounds. He's a big boy. And he's only 26, so he's got a lot left in him. And this is, I think, what this is really his first shot. You know, he was with Minnesota for a little bit. I don't know how many years he was up with them, um, but he's got an opportunity. I think he's got a chance to really take a step here in the preseason. Like you said, I think lock him in as your dark horse for this team. Yeah, and Granado coached him. He remember. He said he was banging on the table for him. Uh, I don't think yep. a lot of people expected the Sabres to make a move like that on deadline day, but they gave up a second and a fifth round pick for him. Clearly, they believe in the guy. Like You don't trade two draft picks, one of them being a second round pick for a guy, and just stick him on the fourth line and call it a day. Like That's not really going to happen. I He signed for this for sure. year and next year. They're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. And Granado... He wanted him because he thought he believes that Greenway has more to give. And he had a down year in Minnesota last year, uh, but they brought him in here to compete for a top six job. And Luke and I, we came up with a sky line, skyscraper line idea, and Granado eventually used it. Uh, Cousins, Thompson, and Greenway. So all the, the big bodies together like if that line is if that happens man like i wouldn't want to be out on the ice against greenway thompson and cousins that's just terrifying for the opposition so yeah. maybe maybe they roll yep. that back maybe they go with middle stat as a top line center the way he ended he was phenomenal playing with talking skinner when thompson was injured so who knows i Granado clearly is a huge fan of Casey Middlestat and ending the season as a top line center. He was our best player down the stretch last year. Like, I don't think yeah, there's any was. denying that. He's phenomenal. So 
he really shut the haters up. If Casey Middlestat kind of can play at that pace, I think he was playing at like a 90-point pace at the end of the season, but if he can be a point-per-game guy, put score 20 goals, 60 assists next year, takes another step, are, are you giving Casey Middlestat a contract extension? Like, I think that's going to be I, an yeah, important talking I, point yeah. throughout the season. Like, what's the deal here? Because you have all these kids. If they do sign Casey Middlestat to a long-term extension, you know, if he if he has like the Thompson arc and he just blows up again, like you're not trading that guy away. That's it's the mystery box. Like, oh, we we should trade him because I really like Yuri Kulik. So like, but you hope that Cooley can no. be what Middlestat is doing right now. You keep the guy that he's yep. still young. What was he? 24, 25. Like you keep that guy. Yeah. yeah he's if 24. And, plays well, you and in him. his last, and in his last, in his last eight games, he had one, two, three, five multi-point games. That's crazy. That's so he, good. He, <laughs> yeah. Middlestat was something else. And I think, it was building throughout the year uh, where you could see bits and pieces early in the year, middle of the year, kind of like when everything started to slow down for the Sabres, you know, it wasn't going to, you know, so well for them. And they really started to hit their stride rate, you know, late at the end of the year there. Middle set was just on another level. I mean, the guy, you could not deny middle set ice time at that point. And yeah. in leading up to the last season, I was against middle set. He had been in the system for four or five years already. And this guy just was not getting better. You know, he had, I think, what was it, two years ago, he had that unfortunate injury. Yeah. In like the first game. I mean that that threw him way behind. That's what led to Tage Thompson's emergence because Middlestat was supposed to be the top line center that year. He got hurt, and then they're like, "Okay, let's put Thompson at center." And it was like, "What the hell is going on? Why are we doing that?" And then it worked. Yeah, it worked. Really, if you think about it, Thompson and Middlestat—they came into the organization about the same time, like, and they both had to deal with Ralph Kruger. You can't forget about that. You can't forget about that. They both dealt with injuries. They were both, I think they were both on the taxi squad when Kruger was the coach that one year. Yep. And they both got better. They're both still so young in the grand scheme of things. Like, you want Middlestat to turn on. You're an eighth overall pick, for God's sake. Like, the way he played at the end of the year, that's what you hope any eighth overall pick is going to turn out to be. So, I, I'm in the camp of sign Middlestat and figure out the prospects later because the way he, play, he played last year, for the most part, he's earned it. Uh, that's a guy you want to build around. And I think that Granado and sure. Kevin Adams agree. So, all right, let's 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 play devil's advocate here. Halfway through the season, Middlestat, point-per-game player. He's one of their better guys. What is your max contract that you're giving him like if he if Casey Middlesat's camp is asking for the Cousins and Thompson contracts what are you are you like ah I can't I don't think I can do that but or are you gonna take the risk because like you know a year ago when Adam signed Tage Thompson to that contract a lot of people are like yeah I don't know but then he quickly showed 
the haters that uh, he was worth it. So if they sign Middlestat to that kind of contract, or maybe like five times five, six times six, like, what do you think? I I think if he's going point per game, I think if he's still building off this past season, how do you not give him that? You we we see the contracts going out right now to some of these players. Think what who just extended was it Matthews for like thirteen five? Yeah, for four uh, years. I think it was four for years. Four years. So the contracts they're they're starting to creep up a little bit and really, you know, you get Tage Thompson and and Cousins and Sammy all under contracts, you know, under eight mil for the next seven years. It's, it's, it's a win-win in my opinion. I think you have to, if he's putting up a point per game plays, if, if you're at, you know, 30 games and he's at 30, 35, 40 points and he keeps, you know, trending upwards, you just, I think you, you know, they kind of swung for the fences with, with cage there and it worked out and, if Middlestat's grown into that role and he's going to be, you know, you kind of got cousins in the mix. They kind of toss in between center and wing. Uh, I mean, you could have a really solid straight three that the organization hasn't had in probably 15, 20 years. Right. Because if you're running Tage, Cousins, Middlestat, and they're all performing like they did towards the end of last year, I mean, that's that's only anything, uh, you know, I think a team and a general manager could dream of. And if you're pulling your top three centers all at seven mil or less, right. and you're, they're, all, they're all under 25, I think Tage is still under 25, if I'm not mistaken, or he's right around there. Yeah, 25, 26. I think you're in the right ballpark. So, I mean, and you got them under contract for the next five to seven years. And your <laughs> top three centers are set. I mean, you're looking good. I mean, it's to me, it, it was hard to be optimistic, you know, with this team going in the last year. And then you really saw how they, they started to fight at the end. And now you're like, what's what's the limit here with this with this squad? So if Middlestead kind of progresses, he keeps going at the way he did at the end of last year. I think he's hitting confidence. I think you have you have to lock him up. I would maybe like to skew a little bit less than seven mil. I don't think he's, you know, Tage level contract. And granted, I think they got a steal on Tage as it is right now. Right. So if he's hitting around like six, six point five, I think I'm doing it for the next five years. Yeah, I'm with you there. Speaking of contract extensions, uh, Owen Power and Rasmus Stalin still. No contracts yet. So hopefully as training camp approaches here. Some news, especially on the Dalene front, I would hope that that gets done quick. But if you're Owen Power, you're probably like I've only played uh, se- one full season at this point. If I'm Power's agent, I'm saying you are not signing anything until the end of this season because, uh, for sure, like he he had a, certainly a very strong rookie year, like very solid rookie year. But like if the Sabers got him to like a multi long-term deal below eight million dollars i think that is a home run and a half for the buffalo sabers and anything under 10 million for Rasmus stallion would be a great extension as well so hopefully if they can get both of those guys done before the start of the regular season and training camp i think you're in very good shape 
Oh yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, obviously they're gonna they're they're hitting that point now where you know contracts. You know, you got a lot of guys coming off those entry level deals. You still got a couple guys on it with you know Jack Quinn and, and JJ there. So you know, I'm sure that's probably why the Rasmus one's dragging out a little bit longer than maybe fans would like to see. But I think also kind of that same camp is own power. I mean. I think last year was really Dowling's first year where he really silenced everybody. Like you couldn't deny Dowling's play from game one to game 82. The guy was out there and the guy was lethal. You know, you just knew that Dowling, when he was on the ice, you were going to move up the ice. Something was going to happen. I mean, he was, he was that good, I think. So, he he's playing a risky game. If he if he starts to slide, you know, in his play early in the season, that contract's gonna start to slip as well. I mean, he's really gonna have to outplay or play to what he did last year. Uh, so he, like I said, he's playing a little bit more risky game than power. But like I said, if you're if you're pulling, you know, Dowling under ten mil per year, I think you're in a good spot. Right. Absolutely. Uh, we're wrapping up here, but uh, would hate to not mention uh the passing of rick generette here as we close out the podcast today uh just just tragic yeah obviously he put in so many years and is an icon of the buffalo sabers and just the city of buffalo in general and buffalo sabers fandom so obviously so sad to see him pass away but the the memories will stick forever when it comes to Rick Jenner at uh, awesome to see the the tribute that they had the celebration of life at the arena they had it on MSG they've been playing the classic RJ games on MSG as well great to relive those memories and obviously even the memories that like we weren't even alive for like the the last game at the odd was awesome to see that as well uh, but rest in peace RJ. Uh, your voice will live forever. Uh, anything on RJ, Mike, before we close out? Uh, not too much. Like you said, it's, you know, Ned didn't know how much he was actually, you know, dealing with. So it makes kind of sense why he retired when he did. Uh, but just a voice that will, uh, that will truly live forever. I was honored to meet him, you know, about a decade ago. Super nice guy. Uh, Joe, you got a favorite, favorite call to wrap it up here? Oh, Honestly, I think my personally my favorite RJ call was the Tyler Ennis. Uh, you want to be a hero, Tyler Ennis, you're a hero. Uh, because like that was the heyday of when my fandom started. Because I started watching in 08, 09, so I missed the the iconic uh 06, 07, 05, 06 calls. So that Ennis call sticks with me. What about you? Uh, well, just um barely a year older than you i believe so i got it i got into it a little bit sooner uh than you did so i go back to 0506 uh you know now do you believe yeah. call you know <laughs> jason pominville in overtime watched it with my dad that you know that call itself was always really you know really resonated with me and you know with my dad and kind of you know that fandom there and and rj always always lived on there uh you know from that call so like you said, rest in peace, and you know, maybe he may not be with us anymore, but he's definitely going to live on forever. Uh, you know, with the Sabers organization, absolutely. Uh, so this will be 
tribute season for RJ. I mean, his last year, definitely they rallied around him. But those guys, all those rookies and the kids, they got to learn how much Rick Jenneret meant to the organization. And those guys are still here. So got to yeah. imagine that they're going to be rallying around RJ to make the playoffs and make it a memorable season with that. I assume an RJ patch on the jerseys uh, in memory of him, but yeah, we're going to close out the podcast now. Uh, it was great to have you on Mike, but we're going to have Mike on the going forward. Uh, yeah, I'll be here. Luke as well. So uh, we'll be back. Uh, we appreciate you for listening and we'll see you in the next one.